Welcome to the Grace Community Church Podcast. We are grace for everyone, community for everyone, church for everyone. We hope that as you listen to the message from this past Sunday, that your heart is encouraged and you find yourself being drawn to Jesus wherever you're tuning in from. We are so grateful that you've joined us and pray that you'll be blessed as you listen to this week's message. Do you ever forget things? Um, Maybe you forget birthdays or maybe you forget your keys. I am notorious B-I-G, for forgetting things. Um, I, I have a saying called ADHD, and one of the symptoms is object permanency, which basically means if I don't see it, I forget it. Um, I'm very good. Scott and Cody have made fun of me on multiple accounts. I forget my keys indoors all the time around the church. I forget um, my wedding rings. That's something lately. I lost them for four months. Wild. I have forgotten my bag in multiple places. Sometimes I even forget people. Friendships can be kind of hard because if I don't see someone all the time, I forget they're there. I get spooked really easily because I forget people. I forget that people are in the same area as me. I have a dog and sometimes I forget in my small two bedroom apartment, he's there and then woo, hello, here you are. Um, There's a lot of things that we might forget Maybe there's things in our lives that we just don't realize or we're too busy or we have different ideas. Some, one of the things that I forget a lot, um, and I'll admit it, is I forget that God is with me. Because in this world, we, we try and find an easy way to control. We try and find things that we are able to, like we are able to have that ability to control. I forget God is with me I've combated that in a few ways with scripture around my life, with people who remind me that God is with me. I have tattoos that remind me of times when I knew that God was with me, the experiences that I had with God. Um, And in this past Easter, Easter season, I think of someone who forgot about the power of Jesus, his miracles and his promise. I think about the disciple Thomas. He also was known as Downing Thomas. When the disciples see Jesus for the first time, they're in a locked room because, I mean, what just happened? Jesus was killed. He was crucified by the Jewish people. You'd think probably his followers would be looked at next. So they they would meet together in a locked room. And Thomas was not there the first time Jesus appeared. The disciples tell Thomas that they saw Jesus in the flesh. The emotions and chaos that must have been happening in his mind. Probably like, there's probably so many things that I could imagine were going through his mind. He forgot about who Jesus was, his promises. He forgot about the trust and connection he had with these disciples. To control this chaos, he chose not to believe. In John 25, It says, but he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hand and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. Now, this is a choice of disconnection without even realizing it fully because the emotions and things were happening. He did not believe, he could not believe. He put on this cloak of control, of just safety. 
And there are reasons that we may feel that we're not in connection with God. Sky Jahanthi, Jahani, I keep, I looked through his name multiple times. Um, He puts it in four areas in his book, With. These are four areas that we may mistake what being with God looks like. And there are four elements of relationship with God that we have taken over the entire relationship with God instead of actually being with him. And it's reimagining the way that we relate to him is what his book is all about. And when I read this book, honestly, the conviction and freedom that I got from it, God really just, yeah, he spoke to me on this one. And a lot of times my sermons are what God has taught me and what he's teaching me. Um, God tells us not to fear. And that's not easy. <laughs> um, multiple times he reminds his people that he is with them. In Isaiah 41.10, he reminds the Israelites to not fear because he is with them. And maybe this is the first time you're hearing this or maybe the hundredth time, but God isn't just with you. He's wanting to be in communion with you. He's wanting to be, he's wanting to connect with you. Which on our end, we need to open that door. We need to um we need, like, God is there. He's, he's given us Jesus. It's our, it's, the ball's in our, our court. It's our turn. One of the songs we sing in kids' church is um, Ask, Seek, Knock. And one of the, the lyrics is from scripture, and it says, when you, or it's about scripture. When, when you ask, when you seek, he's there. When you ask, ask. He's there when you seek, he cares. When you knock, 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 God opens up the door. I I think about this and I, I honestly, I think about my dog. <laughs> uh, he recently kind of learned what those um, window doors are. And I opened the door for him and he sat there and he was barking at me and he's like, open the door. And I was like, Moby, his name's Moby, he's great. I was like, come in, the door's open, you can come in. And he didn't, he didn't want to come into the house. He was just so confused, but it was, it was up to him. It was in his court to come into the house. The door was open, he was welcomed in, but he didn't understand. He feared hitting the door. We seek this control balance in the chaos of our lives. We fear that we might hit something, we might, there might be something that we can't control. And we can use God as a fix and not as a relationship. These postures we carry that we might not even realize that are talked about in the book with by Jatani, that's how you say it, Sky Jatani. He goes through the different postures of life under God, life over God, life from God, and life for God. And finally, what the purpose of Jesus's life, his sacrifice was all about, life with God. And there is moderation in everything, including these postures in our life. When they become an idol, we are no longer being with God, but we are creating the control narrative. We are taking elements of our relation with God to use him as a way to control the fear in our lives. And the thing about human, human life and humans in general, there's fears. We're, we're going to have fear no matter what. And we combat fear with control, which eventually breaks when we build our lives on things of sand, things that'll, that aren't steady, eventually it'll break. Where when we combat our fears with faith, we can float in the chaos knowing where our help comes from. And I think 
I think of that too, like we can't control everything. I don't know if anyone told you that, but your sole purpose in life is not to control everything. In Psalms 121.2, it says, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Now, this is a passage I know from my heart because I actually memorized it with the students at Kids Club last year. And even like, it's amazing because even like in this year, they bring it up, they talk about it, and the scripture itself has come up in my own brain and heart multiple times this year throughout my own trials and things that are happening. When was the last time you memorized a passage? And again, it's not, it's not a childish thing. It's a way to keep our minds guided, to help us to remember who we're with, who's in control. Memorizing scripture is beneficial for our walk with God. It's beneficial for our spiritual discipline with him. Now, one of the postures that Jatani talks about is life under God. And he defines it as following God's commands and rules so that we can control God by following him like a pact we make. I remember I had a classmate who hated God. They hated God with their whole being because they had prayed and asked God to do something for them. That he was, he, this person, they prayed like they were supposed to, but God didn't keep up his end of the deal. God didn't do what he wanted in his way of controlling the chaos in his life. And I tell students, I tell the kids, when we're praying to God, God isn't a vending machine and keeping moral guidance is not our ticket to heaven. This life under God is stuck on following rituals and commands, appeasing God through behavior as a form of control in the chaos, eventually taking the toll on our actual true connection and communion with God. Because when we take, when we, we, take being with God and we actually just like see these things okay these are what I have to check off these are what I follow and God will do this but we're not in connection we're not in communion with God that's un that's an unbalance that's something that doesn't actually like give us peace or give us the actual control and just what God has for us we see Jesus point this out in the religious rulers of his time they were so stuck in this posture of following the rituals and commands, um, they couldn't see God with them. Emmanuel, Jesus, God with us. In Matthew 23, 23, Jesus says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, like they were supposed to, but you've neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. He calls them out for doing all the right things according to the scripture, but on the inside, they were dead. They didn't carry justice and mercy and faithfulness with them. They were like a white tomb, clean on the outside, but by the inside, it was dead. It was not. There was no life. And morality is not bad, but when it clouds our vision and becomes the only thing we see and interpret life through, we don't alleviate fear, but we actually make it worse. And we can, we can also push this on to people around us as well. And before, like in Matthew 11, 28 to 30, Jesus is talking to the people who were under right, the religious leadership, which they had, the religious leadership had interpreted the law to the point of neglecting who the law was meant to connect them with. Jesus shifts this perspective of the intense rule following 
this intense rule following of heavy nature to the ease of following his law through relationship. One that is life-giving and not life-taking. His yoke is easy. He doesn't, it's not bearing, it's not hard. When we're with Jesus, following his law does not seem like this crazy thing. It's a part of our relationship. But life under God is still not life with him. And another concept that is talked about is life over God. This might be another element that we we take. Um, basically living without God. And this can be seen as like the atheist point of view. But honestly, a lot of Christians live in this this camp as well too. A lot of Christians have this stance as well. And to quote Jatani, removing religious motivation does not take away human nature and take away the evil in our world and the human capacity for evil. So the control element here is the predictable principles and explaining away everything, whether through science or just things that are predictable. Again, everything in moderation. Science isn't always predictable, but everything in moderation. But when this view takes over our view of God, we no longer are seeing or wanting a relationship with God. Evil doesn't leave the leave when religion leaves. There are still so many parts of our world today that show us this, and I'm sure you can think of a few examples. God, this this idea and this stance, this like this posture is the idea that God exists but has no real bearing on our life. That he's there, but he just kind of, you know, wind up the clock and let it go gaining control through how the world works and using these ways to control the chaos. When the Bible is just seen as a manual, we seek principles to apply to our situation, not reading it to seek who God is. And we hear time, time and time again where people are like, oh, the Bible is basic instructions before leaving earth. And like, oh, that's fun and great. But if that's all you see the Bible as, like you're not actually seeing it as the connection to God, the understanding of who God is. Replacing a relationship with God with a relationship with the Bible. We, um, yeah, we see the Bible as instructions on how to live an easy life when we just fully have this posture and not as the word of God and getting to know him in relationship. We place trust in God's principles and not in God himself. He did it this way, so he'll do it again. It's like we're putting God in a box. So honestly, Moses did this. He had his staff and in Numbers 20, God tells Moses and Aaron to speak to the rock because they were like the people, the Israelites, they, they needed water. And God came through time and time again and he told Moses this time to speak to the rock. But Moses was used to the staff that he had used in multiple times that God had directed him to use. So Moses instead trusted the principle, trusted what had worked before for him time again, his staff. And he struck the rock with the staff. What did God tell him to do? He told him to speak to it. Um, instead of relying on the trusting relationship he had with God in the communion, he used his staff. And this life over God moment turned the Israelites away from the land and what was promised for them. And we can be like Moses sometimes in this moment, seeing things that just work and putting God in the box. He did it like this, he'll do it exactly like this again. Having the thought that God only works in one certain way takes away from the faithfulness away, the faithfulness of God, and gives us a way to think that we have God figured out. I don't. <laughs> and God is, God is so much bigger than we are that if we think we have God figured out, like, that 
we're we're not we're not taking the full effect of who God is because we we can only see so much and God is so much more. In this in this position, we place our trust in the formula of God and not in who God is, not in the relationship with God. This is a way of relating to God that gives us more of a burden of fear. Um, we're trying we're trying to control the fear, but we also have to control everything else. We have to know things. We have to know the principles. We have to figure everything else, and that actually like just makes the fear more intense and makes it heavier. And we see Jesus again in this point of view speaking in John 5, 39 to 40. He says, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. This was part of his response to the Jewish leaders when he healed a man on Sabbath. Their thought was that the Sabbath day, nothing was to happen. God wasn't even going to be working in this time, showing that they, showing the box that they put God in. Seeing God as just a deity and not seeing his son and relationship he offers is not life with God. It's us taking control over God because life is not predictable. But we, and because it's not predictable, there, we don't feel that safety. We, we feel like anything could happen at any time. But life over God is still not life with him. And another way we may relate to God is life from him. And this is basically taking. This is like consumerism. We take, we take, we take. This is like the taking stance in Christianity. And the Western world is derived by consumerism. We are constantly taking. We are constantly seeking what is best for us. Um, like Madonna says, we're living in a material world. And this can show up in how we relate to God in the idea that he is here to supply my every need, that he is only to give me good things. This view is that God's, God is being, his value is equal to his usefulness. God gives us gifts and he gives what we need to live and sustain life. When we see consumerism and that take for what it is, it's not looking at the value of God or of something, but how it will be useful to ourselves. It's not being with God, it's taking from him. It's not changing our lives, it's distracting us from the fear and sitting in comfort of religion. But this isn't living in the deliverance that Jesus gives us or living with God. It's using God to cover up things that make us uncomfortable. And there's a purpose to pain. There's, there's redemption. We see this played out in the Easter story that Jesus had this pain, that this pain happened, but joy came in the morning. His for, he, he gave us forgiveness through this. We are able to be in communion with God because of the pain. There is no redemption without pain. When the center of our lives is desire and avoidance, we are missing on the growth. You know, growing pains. Maybe you have kids, maybe you had growing pains. If, like when you're, when you're growing, you have pain. And pain is an important part of our lives. It helps us to know when something is wrong with our bodies. It helps our hearts to see the world and to seek justice and freedom that is beyond our world. No one wants to be in pain, but it's what keeps us alive and aware. When we decide to go for comfort, we forget about God who is with us, who bears our burden, who can forgive us and give us peace above all understanding. But instead, we choose the lesser to soothe our pain. We choose the things that will just make us feel better. And when I think about this view of God, 
I think of the story that Jesus told of the prodigal son. He took his inheritance from his father and did not, like, he didn't care. He, he took his inheritance from his father while his father was still alive and wasted it away. He did not care about his father or the relationship, only what he could get from him. When he used and abused the money and had nothing left, he came back to his father with his tail between his legs. And the father in this story ran to his son with open arms, welcoming him, welcoming him back and throwing a party. This way of life failed the son and it also fails us when all we do is take from God. But in this story, God is the father. He just wants to be with us. Again, with this, with each of these elements, it's everything in moderation. God gives us good gifts, but we need to make sure we're not using God. We need to make sure that taking from God does not become the only way we interact with him. The only way to do this is to be in relationship with him. Life from God is not with him. The one view that I find pretty common in the church um, is focusing on living for God, but not living with him. It's the idea that someone is marked on how much they do for God, and it's stressful. It's a, it's a stressful thing. It's like many of these stances, when we take it to the point of blindness, it can be so harmful. When we no longer are seeing it as a point of relationship of being with God, but we replace our entire relationship just for this one element, we become blind to being with and being in real communion with God. Seeing, we tend to see in this stance, we tend to see that our purpose is only for doing life for and not with God. It makes the purpose of this view controlling the chaos by focusing on the mission and the next task to do. Focusing on what we can do for God so that we don't have to think about the chaos around. Fear is lit on fire in this view because the underlying thought is if you're not doing a certain thing for God, you're insignificant. No, <laughs> which honestly, this one hits me the hardest because I can relate to a lot of these areas in some way or another, but this is one that hit me in the face a little harder. I'm a people pleaser and sometimes that goes into my relationship with God. If I do things for God, I am, I am doing the right thing, right? By getting praised for good works and um, by being praised for the good works being done for God, we, in this stance, we think we soothe fear and make the completion of task to be the control. When the mission becomes everything, things start to be forfeited. Um, we see this in a lot of like, if you look online, you look up some like well-known spiritual leaders, they, there's this, drive for the mission that they forfeit their families, they forfeit morals, they forfeit health. Uh, that's something that I had to learn about this year is like not forfeiting my health. Um, and they forfeit actually being with God. Taking time for God comes in the way of completing a task. Well, I need to get this done. I need to do this for God. I need to run this. I need to volunteer here and here, but I don't have time to actually be with God. It's the idea that our internal value is being what we accomplish, which when we talk about it and look at Jesus, we know that our eternal value is in relationship, in communion with our creator through his son, Jesus. When we think of doing works for God um, and missions, who do you think about in the Bible? Who's, he wrote a lot of letters, Paul. 
Paul comes to mind. He was living out the call from God to reach the people. He did many things and was many things to many people, but he was able to sustain this because of Jesus. He put Jesus before all things, including his, his ministry, his knowing who Jesus was, being in communion with his creator, with God. Paul knew the importance of being with Jesus. In Philippians 3.8, he says, what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. This is a man who was pushed by mission. He was one that um, we see him as like a great missionary in the Bible. And he ended up in jail for talking about Jesus, for telling the good news. And honestly, I don't know about you, I, well, that doesn't sound like super fun. But he was joyful in that time, not because of his works or what he had done, but because he knew that even in that time, even in the jail where he was, he knew God was with him. Even if he wasn't physically doing things for God, God was still with him. We cannot do things for God if we are not with God. The works, the mission can become an idol and we lose purpose of the gospel. Each of these, these postures talks about an element of our relationship with God. But when they are not balanced with being with God, these stances become dangerously flawed. I'm sorry, let me restate that. These stances can become a flawed understanding of Christianity and skew the view of God and ourselves. Jatani says about this common pasture, posture that we have an inability to show the whole vision of who God is. There are parts of his character, but the fullness of God is more than these four stances. Our identity is more than being a sinner, a manager, a consumer, a servant. Our identity is in Christ, and until we come face to face with him, we seek these moments of communion with our God. So now we're at the moment of the big question, okay, you are saying all these things aren't life with God. There are elements of them. What does life with God mean? Life with God means to treasure God. And it, it sounds simple, but when we think about it, we think to actually treasure who God is, to unite with God, to experience God. And life with God is understanding that God is not to be used for our control and convenience, but his love and open door is to be treasured. We are to, like, I think so often, especially when we kind of like figure out Christianity, we figure out who God is, we just kind of are at this lull and we forget about this wonderful treasure of God who gave his son for us from the beginning when Adam and Eve broke, when like the fall of man happened and we were separated from God, God has been wanting to be with us in communion and connection like throughout history. And that's why he brings Jesus, God, with us. He brought Jesus to die on the cross so that we could have that connection with him, so that we could be in communion with him. We have a door that is closed and when it comes to uniting with God, it's labeled as sin. It's this Sin is anything that, like, it's the selfishness of what we want to do and not what God wants us to do. But Jesus, by his death, opens that door 
and restores our desire and God's plan to be with him. Uniting through Jesus. If you want to truly see what life with God looks like, take a deep dive into Jesus's life. See how he takes time to be with God, not in just communication through prayer, but in communion, in a deep connection, in knowing who he is, in getting to know God. We experience God through his son Jesus and through his faithfulness. All of this comes through treasuring him and uniting with him. So a couple years ago, I was in Edmonton and we were running a VBS and one of the parts of the VBS was called God Sightings. So throughout the week, we would, kids would say where they saw God, where they experienced God. And where, whether that was through others, through God's faithfulness, through his word, experiencing God is doing life with him. Now, more than ever in my own life, I can see God in the mundane. I love like just sitting back and seeing people, just watching God work in their lives. I love hearing things and knowing who God is. Even in like the times when we're cleaning up ice, I can, I can just see God working in the lives of the kids I work with. I can see, I can just experience God even in the small things, knowing that he is with me even when I'm driving. I'm not like, like I said before, I have ADHD. I have a hard time sitting down and journaling and looking through the Bible. But when I'm driving, when I'm like getting ready, I listen to scripture. I ask God to be with me. I just, I seek to be in communion with him. And that might be, that might look different for you. But maybe try this out this week. Look for how you have experienced God. When you take time to be in his presence, what changes? When you live life with faith and give God control, truly trusting, where does the fear go? Fear is still there, but when we have hope in our Lord, we have a safety raft. Like the waves of chaos, the waves of fear are there, but we are we are above it when we put our faith in God. We we know it's there, we know it happens, but when we're faced with that chaos, we are faced with our God. We know that God is with us and that he does not desert us. So having, going through this and seeing what being life with God is, what being life with God is not, there's a bit of per perspective change when reading Psalms 23, one to six, and it hits a bit deeper. And if you wanna take time, you can close your eyes in this moment and just listen to this scripture. Think about it in the way of that God is protecting us and he is with us. And that we, when we are with him, what, how does our perspective change? So take time, take a deep breath in if you need to, to quiet your heart and ask God to speak to you through this scripture. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. When we put our trust in Jesus, our fear is eased. He takes control. He will not crash the plane, no matter how bumpy the ride may feel. 
When we have this peace in Jesus, when we live life with God, we are able to live life to the fullest with love, with hope, with peace, with justice and mercy. And the people around us are drawn to that because of Jesus, not because of the control we have in our lives, but the faith that we have in the one that we claim to follow. When we live out that faith, when, when we are met with the fear and chaos, having the trust and faith in God, it affects people around us. And I want to wrap back around to Thomas, who we talked about at the beginning, the disciple. He said that he would not believe Jesus was alive unless he touched his wounds, unless he touched Jesus himself. And a week later, Jesus appears again to the disciples. Same thing, they're in a locked room. And he tells Thomas, put your finger here, see my hand, reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas responds, I mean, he could have just grabbed Jesus's hands and be like, yeah, let me make sure this is real. But his response is, my Lord, my God. The control and fear that Thomas had that he had put up were nothing when Thomas was with his Lord. He forgot about his deal, his perspective of protection when he was with Jesus. And my hope and prayer is that like Thomas, we would experience Jesus and treasure the Lord, that we would truly do life with God and check ourselves, that these elements of relationship are not taking away from the close relationship God has and wants us to be with him. God is with us, and we are meant to do life with him. Can I pray for you today as we close? Lord God, I pray right now as we are just um, thinking about our relationships with you, as we're dwelling on the scripture, as we're dwelling on who you are. Lord, will you meet us where we're at? Lord, throughout this week, will we be able to see you in the small things and the big things? Lord, when fear feels like it's drowning us, will we remember that we have the safety raft of your love, that you are with us and we can trust you? You have not broken a promise. Lord God, you are faithful and will we remember that? Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit is working in the hearts and minds of those listening today. And will you bless us? Will your peace be among us? And will your face shine upon us in your holy, mighty name.